We are uh, wrapping up a three-part series called Refocus, and this is a series that really is designed to help us as a congregation in the middle of a pandemic refocus on just what it is that God wants us to do and why. And, and so two weeks ago, I started off this series by helping us keep our eye on the ball or refocus our attention on our mission and our values. And we learned that God has called us to help people, the people in our sphere of influence, to exchange everyday life, which can be kind of mundane and routine, and exchange that for contagious Christian community. And, and, we, and we discovered the reason why we want to do that. We discovered that it's because we have a love worth demonstrating, a journey worth walking, a truth worth holding, a message worth sharing, and of course, a joy worth living. Now, last weekend, Mark was here, and, and he helped us refocus our attention on our influence, our ability to influence the people around us, and how God calls us to, to influence people in a way that's going to glorify him and be for the good of others. Today, I want to wrap up this little series by looking at and refocusing our attention on affluence, on the fact that you have been blessed by God richly. All of the things that you have and enjoy and own and possess, uh, there are two things I want you to know. A, they're all a gift from God. And second, God wants you to use them wisely and to manage them carefully. Now, you might be sitting there watching from home and you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't need to listen to this message. I'm not affluent. <laughs> and I get that. I know what you're thinking, but not, and, and, and it might be true if you compare yourself to like what, Jay, uh, Jeff Bezos from, from uh, Amazon or, or, or Bill Gates from Microsoft. But if you were to compare yourself to 90% of the rest of the world's population, oh yeah, you would be affluent. In fact, just living here in the United States of America means that you are wealthy by every other standard of the world. Just the fact that you have, well, let me just ask you, if you have money in your checking account or savings account, if you have some cash in your wallet or in your purse, if you have some loose change lying around somewhere in the house, I can tell you for a fact, you are a part of the 8% of the wealthiest people on the planet. So, Again, my goal is to get us to refocus our attention on that affluence and how God has so richly blessed us, how he is so generous, as well as how each of us, as part of his family, his church family, this family called Royal Redeemer, how we are called to faithfully use that affluence, to use it in a way that's going to honor God and bless others. And by the way, just so you know, when you give out of your affluence, all right, when you give and share the money that God has entrusted to your care with his church so that it can bless other people, it should always, always flow out of the fact that God has given to you first in Jesus, that he has given to you first in, in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And, and um, what, what I want to do today is just share with you a couple of reasons why we want to give in response to what God has given to us in Jesus. And look and see how Jesus is the perfect role model when it comes to giving. For example, when Jesus gave, Jesus gave willingly. Right? Nobody forced him to die on the cross. When he gave up his life, he gave it of his own free will. He did it willingly. 
Now look at what Jesus says here. It's in John 10. Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Second way that Jesus gave, of course, was that he gave sacrificially. And we are pretty familiar with that. Right? We know that when Jesus laid down his life on the altar of the cross, he did it so that we could be cleansed and so that we could be adopted into God's family. In Hebrews 9, it says this, Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. Jesus gave sacrificially. Third, Jesus gave expectantly. Jesus gave himself knowing that his life, death, and resurrection would be sufficient to restore you, me, and everybody everywhere into a relationship back with God. A relationship where we are forgiven and saved. In Romans 5, Paul says, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Fourth, when Jesus gave, Jesus gave generously. He gave you his all. He, even though he was holy and perfect, he absorbed the filth of your sin so that your guilt could be removed. I love this verse from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 where Paul says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, so those are the, you know, just four examples of, of how Jesus gave to you, to me, to this world. And based on that, what I'd like to do is, again, refocus our attention on our affluence. I want to refocus on our giving and, and how God wants us to give. And again, it's always going to be in response to how he has given to us first in Jesus. But to help us learn God's plan for giving, what I want to focus in on is that passage that Mark read a moment ago from 2 Corinthians 9. And, and in that passage, we're going to discover when it comes to giving what it is that God wants us to do, how God wants us to do it, and what God offers when we do it. So those three things, in, in short, based on this passage from 2 Corinthians 9, God provides with, for us a principle, a procedure, and a promise. So let's jump right in. And when it comes to God's plan for our giving, and again, our giving is always going to flow out of how God has given to us. It's always in response to God's gift to us in Christ. But when it comes to giving, God's plan involves, first of all, a principle. What it is that God wants us to do. And what God wants us to do is to give in faith. So if you're going to give to a ministry in Christ's church, give in faith. So what does that mean? Well, maybe think about it this way. Imagine a farmer somewhere in central Ohio and imagine that the farm has, um, all the harvest has been, um, all, all the crops have been harvested and he's turned the ground over for the winter and he looks out at the hundreds of acres of his farm field and he sees, you know, dirt. There's no harvest anymore because he's already taken it in. He obviously wants a harvest next year. So as he's standing there looking at all that dirt, he doesn't just stand there and continue to look at all that dirt. He doesn't complain about the fact that he's got a bunch of dirt. What does he do? He gives. He gives the dirt, the seed that it needs in the spring, and he gives in faith, trusting that that seed that he plants, that he sows into the ground, is going to germinate and grow and produce a harvest. Okay, that's the principle. It's giving in faith. 
And in that passage that Mark read a moment ago from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says it this way in verse 6. Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And what Paul is saying is that God's financial plan for your life starts with giving, with sowing and giving in faith. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't know if I have enough to give or if I'll have enough to give. And, and you know what? I get that considering all of the circumstances that many of us are facing, but that's the point. God wants you to give what you have so that he can test your faith, so that he can get you to trust him. That's why this principle isn't just give. What is it? It's give in faith. It's saying, God, I'm going to give trusting you. Now understand what this verse is not saying. Okay? It is not saying that you should give after you've paid off your mortgage and after you've taken care of all of your kids' student loans and holy smokes and, or that you've paid off your boat or car or anything like that. You give. You give now. And you give in faith. And you give in faith knowing that you have a God who loves you, who's a generous God. You can trust him. He's not going to let you down. So when it comes to this, you know, this plan that God has for giving, the principle, okay, what it is that God wants you to do, he wants you to give in faith. He wants you to give trusting God will take care of all the details in your life for you. All right. Along with the principle, though, is a procedure. How God wants you to give and how he wants you to do that. And so when it comes to the procedure, the procedure is pretty simple. You want to give with the right attitude, which, of course, implies you can give with the wrong attitude. <laughs> you can give with a bad attitude. Well, you don't want that. You know, if you're going to give, give with the right mentality. Uh, in that passage from 2 Corinthians 9, uh, Paul says this in verse 7. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I've shared this with you before in other messages, but I just want to remind you, you know, God does not need your money. Right? He does not want your money. Uh, actually, all of the money that exists that you have belongs to God. Right? He's just generously letting you use it for the hundred so years that you're here on this earth. And, and when you die, he's going to give that money to somebody else. But the point is, God doesn't need your money or want it. He wants what it represents. And that represents you. God wants you. God wants your heart. He wants your obedience. He wants your love. He wants your worship. He wants you. In, in uh, Matthew 6, verse 21, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what God wants to be? He wants to be your treasure. That's it. So when you give, just understand, God is far more interested in your attitude, in your heart, than in the amount, in how much. Actually, in that verse from verse 7, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 that I just read, you will find a variety of different attitudes that God is looking for as you give. So let me just kind of run through a couple of those with you. For example, when you give, God wants you to give thoughtfully. All right, so he doesn't want you to just randomly pull some number out of the air and say, oh yeah, I think I'll give this amount. Or when you know, the offering plate is passed, when we're back worshiping on site, or even when you're deciding what to give, you know, if you're going to mail in a check, to look at your wallet and see how much you give, and it's like, oh, that looks good. No, verse 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided. 
See, that's the key word, the word decided. God wants you to, when, when you give, God wants you to give after you have decided ahead of time what it is that you're going to give. Okay, after you've made a deliberate, thoughtful, worshipful decision based on prayer. When you give, give thoughtfully. Put some thought into it. Don't just give randomly, haphazardly. Second, God is looking for you when you give to give eagerly. All right, he wants you to give with excitement. He wants you to be enthusiastic about what you are giving. Now, he doesn't want you to give in a half-hearted kind of way, like, oh, well, whatever. Or, you know, grudgingly, okay, I guess if I have to. Nor does God want you to give if you're going to feel guilty if you don't give. Right, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, that verse I just read, it says, don't give reluctantly. If you're going to give, give enthusiastically. Give with excitement. Give eagerly. All right, third way that God wants you to give is he wants you to give willingly. In other words, he wants you to give because you want to give. So if you ever feel pressured to give, don't give. Don't give. In fact, if you have felt pressured to give and then you gave, let me just kind of throw this out. I don't think it's going to count in God's eyes. I really don't believe that that counts in God's eyes. Because God sees your heart. He sees your attitude, right? And so he knows that when you give because you have to, it's, it's very different than because you wanted to. It's not the same. And that's why in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, Paul goes on to say, don't give under compulsion. If you're going to give, <laughs> give because you want to. Give of your own free will. Give willingly. Fourth, God also wants you to give joyfully. God wants you to be happy when you give. He wants you to be glad that you can give. In in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, Paul says it this way. God loves a cheerful giver. That's what what Laura was talking about with the Skittles, right? God is a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver because he is a cheerful giver. He joyfully gave you Jesus. He joyfully gives you all the blessings that you have even now. So he wants you to be just like him. He wants you to be a cheerful giver. And when you give, give joyfully. Be glad that you do that. One last way that God wants you to give based on what God's word says is weekly. I know that weekly is not an attitude. It's more of a time frame. But it does. How you give consistently is going to reflect the the attitude of your heart. In a different verse, in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2 Paul says this, he says, on the first day of, your, of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Now, again, I realize that you're watching me from home or wherever you might be. And I'm preaching on a Sunday morning. I don't know when you're watching this. It might be Tuesday afternoon. But when Paul says on the first day of the week, he's talking about Sunday because that was the day of worship. And it normally is a day of worship. And, and, and the point here is that when you worship, whether it's on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday afternoon, there are a couple of things you should plan. You should plan to sing some songs. You should plan to pray some prayers. You should plan to hear a message. And you should plan to give. That's what God, that's what God is looking for. That should be part of your worship. Worship, is, uh, worship involves giving. It involves giving. And, and, and as you give, you want to certainly keep in mind that it doesn't necessarily have to be the first day of the week. It can be, you know, I know some people have automatic withdrawals, so it might be every other week or once a month. The, the, when you give, the point here is that you give consistently. Because that tells God that he is consistently your treasure, that he is your heart's desire. Now, I understand that 
trying to live with that kind of an attitude, right, where you give thoughtfully, eagerly, willing, joyfully, that can be hard. It's easier said than done. So to help you with that, with your attitude when giving, let me share with you two things for you to remember. Number one, remember that it all comes from God, right? Everything that you have, everything that you are, um, possess, your income, your savings, it comes from a God who loves you and loves to be generous to you. In 2 Corinthians 9, that passage we're looking at, um, it says in verse 10, he who supplies seed for the to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. So just as a, fa- a farmer you know, knows, well, maybe they do know, they should know that ultimately the seed comes from God, just as you give, understand everything you need comes from God. It all comes from God. All right, second, remember God's guarantee. And what is God's guarantee? God's guarantee is that when you give, he gives back. Look at this verse from Luke 6. It says, Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Isn't that interesting? So when you give, God is going to give back. Or in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, I'm sorry, verse 11, um, it says this. Paul says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. When you give, God is going to bless you back. He may even bless you with more so that you can bless even more people. But that's God's guarantee. All right, well, let me just kind of do a quick recap. Number one, when it comes to God's plan for giving, there's a principle, and that is to give in faith. Number two, there's the procedure, and that is to give with the right attitude. And then the third is the promise. And the promise is to give expecting God to meet all your needs. So as you give in faith, And with the right attitude, trust that God is going to be generous. And he will take care of all the other details, all the other needs that you have in this life. In that passage from 2 Corinthians 9, specifically verse 8, Paul says this, and I love this verse. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I'm just going to leave that that verse on the screen as you're watching because I I want you to understand the power of this verse. You know, it tells us that God is going to abundantly bless you. But he doesn't just do it in certain areas, right? What does it say? It says he's going to do it in all things. And he's not going to just do it some of the time. What does it say? It says he's going to do it at all times. And he's not going to just do it so that he can meet some of your needs. How many needs is he going to meet? He's going to meet all of them. Isn't that amazing? When you give, you don't have to worry about all those other details. God's got it. And, and that's, why, that's why giving is so important. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 13. He says, it is a proof of your faith. As you give in response to what God has done for you first in Jesus, it validates that your giving is real, that your faith is genuine and real, and that it's not just talk. Paul goes on in verse 13 and he says, many people will praise God because you obey the gospel you say you believe and because you freely share with them and with all others. In other words, when you give, it proves that what you say you believe about God really is true. That you believe that he will take care of you, that he'll bless you and bless others through you. 
Now, when it comes to the amount that you give, uh, obviously that's going to vary from person to person. But remember, it's not the amount that matters, right? It's the attitude. That's what God is looking for. You know, in, in Mark 12, you can read the story of how a poor widow came up to the temple and, and she gave two small copper coins. She gave two sm- uh, small copper coins that were worth just a couple of pennies and she put those in the offering basket. And Jesus is astounded by this. He says to, in verse 43, he says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. How is that possible? It's because she, God, Jesus, is looking at the attitude, not the amount. He looks at your heart. And, and that's, that's, I guess, what I want you to walk away with. Just understand, God is looking at your attitude. He's looking at your heart when you give. When you give in response to how he has already given to you first in Jesus Christ. And, and I, I guess I, I, I know that many of you already realize this, but I just want to remind you. I, I want to remind you that when Jesus died on the cross for you, he paid for three things. First, he paid for your forgiveness. Jesus paid for every mistake, every failure, every bad choice that you made in your life, every act of disobedience or rebellion, all of it. He absorbed the punishment that you deserved so that you could be forgiven. He paid for your forgiveness. Second thing Jesus paid for is he paid for your freedom. He prayed so that you could be free from guilt, free from the fear of death, free to discover the purposes that God has in store for you, free to be the person God has designed you to be. He paid for your freedom. Third thing that Jesus did is he paid for your future. Your eternity in heaven is guaranteed. It's a done deal. It's a done deal because it is a gift of God's grace to you through faith in Jesus as your Savior. Now, the reason why I share all of that is just to remind you that if you can trust God with your forgiveness and with your freedom and with your future, you can certainly trust him with your affluence, with your giving. And now you know God's plan for giving, right? Now you know how he wants it to work. You know there is a principle and a procedure and a promise. You know what he wants you to do. You know how he wants you to do it. You know when, when he responds, you know, um, what you can, what you can um, how you can trust him. So as you give, certainly give in faith, give with the right attitude, and then as you give in faith, trust that he will take care of all your needs and that he will bless you and his church and others through you. Well, let me just close with a couple of challenges for you this week. Things I want to just get you to take home, or you're already home, so just take with you throughout the week. So first, I want you to just connect with God and reread 2 Corinthians 9. Reread that, that passage. And, and zero in on verse 7, where it talks about the attitudes that God is looking for, so that when you give, you, you truly are giving thoughtfully, eagerly, willingly, and joyfully. Okay, so reconnect with God and reread that passage. Second, because this is a week where we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, I want you to refocus on all that God has given to you. Certainly, be thankful for all of the physical, material blessings that God has given us. We are abundantly blessed. But I want you to go deeper, and I want you to give thanks for the greatest blessing that God has given, the greatest gift, and that's Jesus. Right, Jesus who gave first, who gave willingly, sacrificially, expectantly and so so generously and then third what i'd like you to do is review the principle and the procedure and then act on that promise you know that you're to give in faith right you know that you're to give with the right attitude now act on that and give 
fully expecting God to take care of the details and to bless you, his church, and others as well. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, we will never be able to fully repay what you have given to us in Jesus. And we just humbly praise and thank you for him, along with everything else that you have given to us. Lord, stretch out your, stretch, stretch our faith and, and guide us today as we refocus on our affluence. Help us to carefully consider just how you have so richly blessed us and, and to respond in faith, trusting you to not only graciously meet our everyday needs, but joyfully support the ministry of your church here at Royal Redeemer. Bless us, Lord God, and make us to be a blessing. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' great name. Amen. So um, in response to what God has given to us, I now invite you to take part in this act of worship where you give, right? Give as an act of love and worship of your Lord God. On the screen, there are different ways by which you can give. And if you go to our website, you'll see that it might look a little different, but it's still a safe and secure way. We just kind of updated some of our giving protocols. Um, but I just want to thank you in advance for your love for, for Christ and his church as you support his work on this earth, as we carry it out in this community, as you do it faithfully, as you do it joyfully, as you do it willingly and eagerly and thoughtfully. May God bless you and honor your faithfulness.